Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they do a great job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Boo Mortensen. Uh, We'll find out what's new with Boo. Kathleen Pasadoma may join us as well. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us. Always provides great commentary on what's happening here locally and around the world. It is May the 18th, and on this day in 1860, President Abraham Lincoln, a one-time U.S. representative from Illinois, was nominated for the U.S. presidency by the Republican National Convention meeting in Chicago, Illinois. Hannibal Hamlin of Maine was nominated for the vice presidency. Of course, Lincoln was a Kentucky-born lawyer and former Whig representative of Congress, first gained national stature during his campaign against Democrat Senator Stephen Douglas of Illinois for a U.S. Senate seat in 1858. The senatorial campaign featured a remarkable series of public encounters on the slavery issue, known as the Lincoln-Douglas debates, in which Lincoln argued against the spread of slavery while Douglas maintained that each territory should have the right to decide whether it would become a free or slave state. Lincoln lost the uh, race to uh, uh, Douglas, of course, but his campaign brought national attention to the young Republican Party. In 1860, he won the party's presidential nomination. In November, in the election, Lincoln again faced Douglas, who represented the northern faction of a heavily divided Democratic Party, as well as Southern Democrat John C. Breckinridge and a Constitutional Union candidate John Bell. On November the 6th, Lincoln defeated his opponents with only 40% of the popular vote, becoming the first Republican to win the presidency. The announcement of Lincoln's victory signals the uh, secession of the southern states, which since the beginning of the year had been publicly threatening secession if, in fact, the Republicans gained the White House. By the time of Lincoln's inauguration on March the 4th, 1861, seven states had seceded, and the Confederate States of America had been formally established with Jefferson Davis as election uh, as president. One month later, the American Civil War began with Confederate forces under P.G.T. Beauregard opened fire on Union-held Fort Sumter in South Carolina. An amazing story. A lot of parallels to uh, Donald Trump, aren't there? A uh, real dark horse coming in, taking the election. Of course, he was on a uh, brand-new party, but... Uh, Uh, What a tragic life and a great life, uh, President Lincoln. Well, coronavirus cases are plummeting in India thanks to new rules that promote ivermectin, I'll say that again, ivermectin, and hydroxychloroquine to its massive population. Of course, the WHO and pharmaceutical companies are having fits. This is despite the fact that lives are being saved. The world's second most populous country after China has fewer than 138,000 total active COVID cases in early February 2021. That's the lowest figure since January 2020. India India active COVID cases sit at around 3.6 million today, according to the India Ministry of Health. Mainstream media are blaming the massive spike on a scary mutant variant called B1617. The India Health Ministry updates its guidelines on 
on April 28th for quarantines, treating the asymptomatic and others with mild symptoms of COVID-19. The agency now says that asymptomatic patients should consider tab ivermectin out once a day. Uh, and uh, caregivers of patients in quarantine are instructed to take hydroxychloroquine prophylaxis as per protocol and as prescribed by the medical uh, officer. See the <clears throat> pretty pretty amazing here. Now, what's ama- amazing about this is now COVID cases are plummeting. President Trump was right. Why the cover-up of effective therapeutics is because, of course, they want us to all take the vaccine. Something's up. Something just doesn't add up. The behavior of the uh, CDC, the behavior of the president, the behavior of... Uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't add up, and it just makes me extremely suspicious. And why not make these therapeutics available in the United States? On Sunday, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky finally admitted that many, many hospitals were counting COVID deaths to include cases that were not COVID deaths. The gist of the report was that COVID-19 is not nearly as deadly as first projected by the WHO and then by Dr. Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks. Based on CDC numbers in August, only 6% of all deaths attributed to COVID-19 were instances where the only factor in the individual's deaths was due to COVID-19. Let me repeat that. 6% of the cases, all the deaths, only 6% of them were attributable to COVID-19. For all the other deaths reported by CDC linked to the COVID-19, the individuals who passed away had two to three other serious illnesses or comorbidities like motorcycle accidents, and you can go on and on. Only 9,201 people died in the U.S. according to August numbers, where COVID-19 was the only cause of death. Very suspicious, isn't it? 6% of the cases, actually, so we're all masked up because we might get COVID-19. Well, after Texas allowed all businesses to remain to reopen at full capacity in March, President Joe Biden blasted the decision as a huge mistake, uh, describing it as Neanderthal thinking. The last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters, he said. Well, daily Texas coronavirus cases neared 30,000 in January and have crashed below 10,000, where Texas decided to fully open and reopen businesses. Common sense would suggest that the relative risk of something decreases. The precautions you take against it can as well, but common sense is increasingly hard to come by. Joy Reid described Texas Governor Greg Abbott's uh, as the absolute worst following his reopening decision and decided daily uh, coronavirus cases in that state have fallen another 90% since her comment. And now for the first time since the pandemic began a near mere two months after being blasted for Neanderthal thinking, Texas logged zero coronavirus deaths for a day. Pretty amazing. And on Monday, President Joe Biden spoke on the issue of vaccines to the American public, including what appeared to be a veiled threat that people not getting the vaccine will pay the price for not getting it. Only those who are vaccinated will end up paying the price, uh, are not vaccinated will pay the price. The vaccinated will continue to be protected against severe illness, but others may not be. If you're not vaccinated, also he tripped up (laughs) by his teleprompter and called AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca. So, Mr. President, who's exhibiting Neanderthal thinking now? Quite frankly, I think it is the president. By the way, the president of the United States played golf on Monday morning, playing hooky from the White House. 
he shanked the shot so bad that it went behind him. So he's just about as bad at golf as he is being president of the United States. Now, Matt DiPerno just dropped a bomb at his Antrim County, Michigan press conference. He and his team said that the tabulator machines can be reopened after the election. Machines can run more ballots through the tabulator, print off a new tabulator tape with new ballots, and then backdate the tape to November the 3rd. That is extremely disturbing information. The walls are beginning to close in on this election. The audit results in Wyndham, New Hampshire, show voting machines consistently undercounting Republican vote tallies. Dr. David, David Strang, M.D., is a Belknap County Republican Committee State Committee member with the New Hampshire GOP. On Sunday, Strang examined the latest results coming from the Wyndham, New Hampshire election audit. He was stunned with the results. Dr. Strang believes the state has a huge problem on its hands. The total from Wyndham machines cannot be re- replicated. Only the hand counts are reliable, and the machines are shorting Republicans in Wyndham at the consistent rate, while Democrats' uh, results are barely impacted by the machines. Dr. Strang noted that winning an election shouldn't depend on your supporters inserting their ballots into the right machine, but rather any machine, as they should all count ballots all the same. Well, that's not what's happening on November 3rd in Wyndham, New Hampshire, and I suspect across the country. The numbers now from the uh, legislatively ordered audit in New Hampshire town uh, confirm that the concerned citizens of New Hampshire have uh, claimed all, what they've claimed all along. Their machines are not accurate, consistently shorted Republican candidates, and cannot be trusted to accurately count the votes. When the recount showed was when ballots were fed through four machines this past week, one machine reliably, uh, repeatedly showed shorting each of the four Republican candidates roughly the same compared to the results from other machines. These audit-repeated machines counted uh, are also different from those machine-generated counts on November the 3rd. There are suspicions that other towns in the state have their own version of Machine 2, which is the machine that, had, that was short-counting uh, Republicans, so this does not appear to be a Wyndham-only problem. The fact that these machines do not agree with each other and have such a wide variation among the four just for the repeat audit machine count alone means that the hand recount totals from November the 12th are likely to be the only accurate tally. If so, then we'll have to have evidence that the audit machine count does not agree with the November 3rd machine account, nor does it agree with the November 12th hand count, which is about to be repeated this week. Next, the Wyndham audit team is going to review the statewide federal race U.S. Senate and the statewide non-federal race governor as well, as both of these races are scheduled to be hand-counted this week as part of the audit. So there could be repercussions not only for the presidential race, but also for, of course, governor and U.S. Senate. I think we'll find this will be the case also in uh, Georgia when that audit takes place, as it surely will. And, of course, Maricopa County continues. They're about 25 or 30% through the audit with uh, Democrats demonstrating just reprehensible behavior and trying to stop this audit. So interesting. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net.
Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Just one of the initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, that's going against the tide of the Biden administration. But very proud to serve on their board. And I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boot Mortensen. Right now, we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Understand you're in Tallahassee for a special session. Yes. Uh, As uh, we ended last session, there was one thing that we left undone, uh, and that was the uh, gaming compact with the Seminole Tribe and a whole new state policy on gaming. And so the president and the speaker put out the call, and we are here now. Uh, Yesterday we spent in appropriations committee going over, there were uh, nine bills filed. We got to six of them, and that's about where we are um, in addition to ratifying the uh, gaming compact. So is the the compact, uh, I don't know a lot about this, but it sounded, first of all, that it was going to be a 30-year pact, and it would include uh, being able to gamble on your iPhone and... (laughs) All kinds of things. Maybe you could help us sort through and understand this. 
Sure. Um, a little historical perspective. Um, so we have been operating, or had been operating under a gaming compact with the Seminole tribe that dates back to when Charlie Chris was governor. And it basically provided exclusivity for um, certain types of gaming to the Seminole tribe. And they have facilities, uh, a number of facilities around the state, a couple in Lauderdale, of course, as you probably know, the Immokalee Casino. Right. Um, the uh, compact expired uh, several years ago and was not renewed. And so we've been, the problem, of course, is that the revenue that we had been receiving from the Seminole tribe as part of the compact we haven't been receiving. And, you know, it's estimated to be about $600 million a year. Yeah. Uh, so Governor DeSantis entered into um, a new compact with the tribe, and uh, that was is one of the pieces of um, legislation that we are reviewing. And, yes, it does. Uh, it is a 30-year term which I don't have a problem with because we have been, had been operating under a compact and it was working. Mm-hmm. Um, it does include the ability to uh, provide sports betting that the, uh, the Seminole Tribe would um, work with the paramutuals that are now decoupling from the Greyhounds and um, uh, the maybe Highlight and others, and it, 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 it's, it's kind of complicated, but the simple concept is that it, it's regulation of gaming in the state of Florida, particularly sports betting, which people are doing on their phones anyway right. without it being regulated. So um, I, you know, I spent a lot of time last week reviewing the bills. I feel comfortable with them. There are a number of uh, like the no casinos that feel like it's an expansion of, of uh, gaming, um, but it does not provide for additional casinos. In fact, it it closes down some current permits. So I think uh, all in all, it's a it's a um, a good move for our state. Well, that sounds interesting. I, I for one, I mean, I'm all for people making their own decisions, and it's if if in fact uh, it's uh, they're going to do it, may as well be regulated and get some. Uh, revenue coming into the state so that that makes sense right. to me the question it doesn't just kind of splash over state lines i mean how do you control what's florida and what's not well the um it's where you are actually um uh, making your bets through because there still has to be a platform and it has to be located in a located somewhere uh-huh. so if we are going to be doing the sports betting through the Seminole tribe it would be the the platform would be through one of their facilities or their facilities, and they would host it. Uh, uh, and then uh, the paramutuals that uh, want to participate, and that would be part of a, an agreement that they'd enter into with the Seminole Tribe, uh, would would basically have it there at their facility so that and it goes it's all through the Internet. <laughs> yeah, so, so just to, um, to clarify then, Kathleen, for example, if I were in Hawaii, Lanai, let's say, and... Uh, wanted to make a bet and I got to that website I could make the bet because uh, the 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 uh, source itself or the the uh, one that's processing the processing the bet is the the, the right. tribe in Florida it's through and many states do um, provides for sports betting I know that um, New Jersey is one of the states that we've looked at their model and and uh, utilized some of their expert expertise by looking at what they've been doing and um, it uh, it's a it's a, a very um, meticulous 
the documents are very meticulous. Yeah. They're very well drafted, I believe. Uh, Senator Hudson from Jacksonville um, sponsoring the bills in the Senate. Um, I believe uh, Representative Rommel may be doing one of the bills in the House. Um, and hopefully we'll get this thing done by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it's a bipartisan, number one. And number, yes. t- number two, it's brought in the past $600 uh, million dollars a year you know, to, to Florida. Will that number increase as a result of the new compact? Well, that's what we anticipate. It, in the past, uh, it has not been that much because we didn't have some of the additional uh, uh, components with the sports betting and the like. So we're looking at, at that, that, that being a target number and on an annual basis, and that will certainly help us state budget. Outstanding. So this uh, hopefully will be all wrapped up tomorrow, sent off to the governor for his, for his signature. Yes, well, right. we hope. Unless, you know, obviously there are some people that are uh, just uh, naturally opposed to gaming and they um, are weighing in on it. They just, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't gamble, so I don't really um, have... You know those kind of thoughts, but there are a number of people who have come to who came to the committee yesterday that were concerned about the the um, issue of you know people uh, that are addicted to gambling and the like, and and so some of the, one of the bills has a components on spending money on on uh, counseling and and other mes- methods to yeah. um, sort of help people who are addicted and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, well. you know the problem is. But the reality is they're going to do it anyway. That's so we exactly might as well be right. regulated. And, and it also sets up a gaming commission. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, if they don't do it through the Florida um, uh, system, or they're going to be doing it anyhow, and addictions right. will occur. And uh, that's part of it. But it all comes down to personal responsibility and choice. People should be able to make their own choices. Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator, genuinely appreciate you taking time with our audience this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Always, what's the lighter side of the show, but always an entertaining conversation. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. 
Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. You just heard the commercial about the new uh, Performing Arts Center in downtown Naples. Well, they also provide terrific uh, entertainment, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And I hope you will visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Boo wasn't available, so uh, we have a lot to talk about, especially in the Supreme Court. On Monday, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a case involving the Mississippi abortion law passed in 2018 banning abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. For the first time in history, and since the defining Roe v. Wade case in 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States will have to weigh in on the abortion law passed at the state level. The controversial law in question was passed by the Mississippi State Legislature, but then blocked by the court system, which at the time said it was contravened the SCOTUS's own 1973 precedent, striking the law down because it was unconstitutional based on that uh, Supreme Court decision on 1973. As it stands, the law would allow for abortions past the 15th week limit in cases of extreme medical uh, emergencies or severe problems with the fetus, that's according to the New York Post. Mississippi District Court Judge uh, Carlton Reeves, at the time of the striking down of the law, wrote in his legal opinion, the state chose to pass a law if it knew was unconstitutional to endorse a, a decades-long campaign fueled by the national interest groups to ask the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. The court follows the commands of the Supreme Court, then the dictates of the United States Constitution, rather than the disingenuous calculations of the Mississippi legislature. Sounds like this guy's on this other kind of an activist on the other side of the, of the aisle. The case will be heard most probably sometime later in the year 2021. The main issue debated will be the potential viability of the fetus outside the womb at 15 weeks of gestation in the light of current medical technology in accordance with Roe v. Wade's legal precedent. That's so interesting. Uh, my personal opinion, Roe v. Wade is itself unconstitutional. This is a state's rights matter. It certainly has the federal court. If you just take a look at the enumerated powers of the federal government, there's nothing in the Constitution that suggests they have any say over uh, the, an issue like uh, abortion. But irrespective, uh, they made the, the ruling, so now... This case will challenge that, and uh, it should be so interesting to see now with the new court and with the uh, conservative judges on board how this will turn out. Also, the Supreme Court unanimously rejected Biden administration arguments in a case from Rhode Island that police should be allowed to enter homes without a warrant to seize handguns. This is a big deal. The ruling in the case, Caniglia versus Strom, uh, came on May the 17th. Oral arguments took place telephonically on March the 24th. 
The case became before the high court as President Joe Biden and Congressional Democrats pressed for an aggressive news restrictions on Second Amendment gun ownership rights, including controversial red flag laws, which allow gun seizures from law-abiding gun owners with limited due process in the wake of highly publicized mass shootings in March at Boulder, Colorado, uh, in a supermarket and at Atlanta-area spas. Police generally cannot conduct searches of private property without consent or a warrant. In Katie versus Dombrowski, the Supreme Court held in 1973 that police may conduct warrantless searches related to community caretaking functions, but only for vehicle accidents. Since then, the principle has become a catch-all for a wide range of responsibilities that police officers must discharge aside from their criminal enforcement activities, the First Circuit Court of Appeals stated in the Coniglia case. The community caretaking doctrine holds that police don't always operate as law enforcement officials investigating wrongdoing, but sometimes as caretakers to prevent harm in emergency situations. Well, Edward Caniglia, this is such an interesting story. Edward Caniglia had no criminal history and and no record of violence. He had been married to his wife for 22 years when on August the 20th, 2015, they had a disagreement inside their Cranston, Rhode Island home. Their argument escalated. He produced an unloaded gun and said, why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? Worried he might be suicidal, doesn't sound suicidal to me, his wife asked police to conduct a welfare check. The husband went to the local hospital briefly after police assured him they wouldn't take his two handguns. After he left, of course, they seized his guns without a warrant, telling his wife his life and other others could be in danger if they left the guns in the home. The police refused to return the weapons, and Coniglia sued, arguing that the community caretaking exception should not apply inside the home, the most protected of all private spaces. Writing the Supreme Court short, four-page uh, opinion in the case, Cl- Judge Clarence Thomas noted that Katie versus Dombrowski precedent, which he indicated applied to policing, uh, responding to disabled vehicles or investigating accidents. The question today is whether Katie's acknowledgement of these caretaking duties creates a standalone doctrine that justifies warrantless searches and seizures in the home, Thomas wrote. It does not, he added. <laughs> Clarence Thomas, he's the greatest. It does not, he said. Thomas wrote the federal district court rule uh, rule in uh, favor of the police, and the First Circuit expanded on this, uh, stating that the police often have non-criminal reasons to interact with motorists on public highways. The appeals court extrapolated from the Katie ruling a freestanding community caretaking exception that applies to both cars and homes. The appeal court, appeals court community caretaking rule goes beyond anything the court has recognized, recognized Thomas wrote. Pretty cool. Chief Justice John Roberts filled a concurring appeal, filed a con- concurring opinion in which uh, Stephen Breyer, Justice Stephen Breyer, joined. Justices Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh filed separate concurring opinions. Uh, I'll just note that if Chief Justice Roberts filed a concurring opinion, somehow, some way, finally hearing that he's made a good decision. I haven't heard many of those. You may think back to. Uh, the Obamacare case, it was just amazing. Well, uh, the military is supposed to deliver an unclassified report to Congress by next month on UAP, that would be Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or what we call UFOs. Former Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe said in a recent interview that the findings would shock people because, frankly, they are a lot more sightings than have been made public. Let's see if this is Boo Mortensen. It could be Boo... Hello, Boo, is that you? 
Yes, God darn it, I'm sorry. I uh Well don't hey listen I before I should let you know that you're on air right now. <laughs> oh, all right. Well but anyhow, good I, morning I, and welcome. Yeah, so uh, uh, I I understand totally. That stuff happens, but it's nice to hear your voice. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, and uh, this is the thought that I have for the day. They say that 42 percent of the people still believe in wearing masks oh. outside. Yeah. Don't you think that with the CDC, there is so much confusion? Do you wear it? Don't you? Um, what is that going to do to the cruise industry? What is that going to do to the travel industry? It seems like the CDC has almost made things more confusing. Well, I certainly agree with that. CDC, quite frankly, has lost all credibility with me. I just can't. How can you believe anything they say quite at this point? I think they basically made a political decision to support to uh, kind of a create a diversion because of all the bad news that came out of uh, this administration, including, you know, uh, the the gas situation and the crisis and everything else. So uh, they made their decision. And then you hear, uh, I've forgotten her name, Rachel Maddow, uh, say that can I, now she, she has to rewire herself because she doesn't know what to think when people aren't wearing a mask. Could they be conservatives or could they, you know, could they be people who agree with her but somehow, some way believe the CDC? So a lot of confusion out there, Uh Oh, I agree. Now, let me give you an example. Yesterday, I went to Publix, and I went to Whole Foods. Now, these are two grocery stores that are half a mile apart. In Publix, <coughs> you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Yeah. In Whole Foods, you have to. Yeah. So, is it business arbitrary? It's crazy. Well, I think I think businesses do have a right to, to make uh, any judgment they want about what can happen in their, in their, in their property. Uh, quite frankly, if somebody said you can't come in here in a mask, I'm going to go someplace else. So I, I think it's bad for business to make that decision, but uh, certainly I, I yeah. respect the right of the business to make the decision. Boo, you know. Well, it seems like a lot of people are staying home during all of this. I just read a survey of 3,000 Americans. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, two out of five people, two out of five, put on significant weight gain. On an average, people gained 20 nine pounds holy man we are already an obese nation so if you can that's yes and that's of course, of course going to contain uh create more problems for people that uh their own morbidity increases as a consequence of all that boo darn it you know what we've run out of time <laughs> i just genuinely well, i'm happy i to heard your voice and i'm glad you brought these topics up well my pleasure sorry i was a little late to the game no problem boo thank you so much for joining us you bet. Bye-bye. Right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. 
Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda, my wife Linda, to be talking about uh, uh, her column. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, speaking about uh, limited government. The name of his organization is Less Government. Uh, Seton Motley is the president and founder of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, to paraphrase WKRP in Cincinnati, more music, less government. <laughs> so, That's an old reference. <laughs> it certainly is, Seton. So um, you wrote a column, which is so interesting. Biden's international trade, big tech cronyism, is ridiculously small ball. Help us make sense of all that. Well, of course, you know, every, every administration has trade uh, officials and trade priorities that these officials push, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they in Trump's trade was trade push was revolutionary. Um, you know, in very short order, we went from no one talking about China and its very many thefts of our intellectual property and our manufacturing and and all that, um, and then all of a sudden, within you know two or three years of Trump. We're to- everyone's conversant in the Uyghurs' right. uh, plight in West China and all the intellectual property theft of China and all the tens of millions of jobs they've stolen from us over the decades. You know, it was an amazing transformation. And it's because he prioritized making that a, a, a fundamental part of his trade policy. So when the new administra- Biden administration comes in, you, I, I watched to see how and what they prioritized mm-hmm. as far as trade was concerned. And I just kept, you know, and I read about this. Trump looked, and to be totally fair, Trump fought this, what we're going to discuss too, but it was an afterthought. It was a, you know, uh, and, and the, the funny part was I didn't know the amount until uh, of taxes we're about to discuss until I read it in, last week or a couple weeks ago under the Biden administration's uh, Tenure, not under Trump, and now I know I know one of the reasons why Trump didn't prioritize it. So anyway, 
There's a thing called a digital services tax. Europe's, various countries in Europe are trying to apply it. Um, India is trying to apply it. A bunch of other, a couple other countries are trying to apply it. What it says is they're going to tax digital companies, i.e., big tech, mm-hmm. who have a digital presence in the in their in their country, but not a physical one. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the Biden administration. I, I kept reading about this, and the Biden Trump of trade officials are fighting this and fighting this and fighting this and fighting this. You know, and I'm like, okay, they're going to bat for big for for big tech. That's a shocker. And I, you know, I thought, well, I should probably write about this. That, you know, and and they kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and and they, you know, all the Biden people criticized Trump for imposing tariffs, and of course, he did it very judiciously and very strategically. It was only to highlight the fact that the countries he was tariffing were subsidizing the crap out of their exports and limiting and and taxing our imports. Right. I mean, he was doing it to try to even the playing field and get rid of government on both sides. Right. Biden's teeing up a a tariff on countries that impose a tax on big tech. Huh. Now, here's the fun part. All six countries in Europe combined are looking to tax all of big tech, $880 million a year. Uh-huh. So let's round that up and say it's a billion dollars a year. It's chump change. All the tech companies in all the countries looking to impose this tax. Right. That is literally nothing to these people. I mean, obviously, no one wants to pay a tax they don't have to pay. But for Biden's administration to go this far out on a limb fighting this tiny tax, I did the math. I said, let's pretend all the companies can take turns paying everybody's tax for them in all the countries. And let's round it up to $1 billion for easy math. Apple is worth $2.5 trillion. Yeah. $1 billion to them. They, these companies have more than that in their petty cash drawers. Right, right. I mean, this is nothing to them. Nothing. And the fact that they had the audacity to ask the Biden administration to have this be, so far, their lead trade issue for the entire country of the United States, and for the the audacity of the Biden administration to take it up and champion it is just really ridiculous. Yeah, it's just so interesting. My understanding is that uh, actually Biden has retained all of the tariffs that were initially imposed by uh, Trump, which is sounds... Like he hasn't he hasn't dealt with that, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, but right. the the other thing, the ideal tax is one that uh, it won't be the it's it's so minimal to the payer that they won't uh, resi- resist it. But it can be substantial to the people that receive the taxes. And that eight hundred billion or a billion a billion dollars could be pretty significant to the budgets of those uh, countries, couldn't it? Uh, uh well, India probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, and remember, this is a billion combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about a fraction of that going to India. Yeah. A fraction of that going to... It's small ball on their part, too. I mean, this whole thing is just absurd. Yeah. For it to consume the first four months of the Biden administration's trade policy, yeah. it's just silly all the way around. It's so small Yeah. with these giant companies. Um, you know, I mean, Apple's worth $2.5 trillion. Uh, I think Amazon's worth $1.5 trillion. Google's worth $2.1 trillion. Ugh. And they're getting the Biden administration to fend off hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. It's just, it's staggering how how much fealty 
Biden obviously feels to the to the big tech company. My goodness, it's just amazing. Running interference. I mean, uh, cronyism. Just when you when when that word comes up, it just uh, makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up because it obviously demonstrates favoritism. It tries to it tilts the playing field for players in the in the uh, free market game. It's so sad that uh, they and, and you know what in this Biden administration there is so much cronyism it's unbelievable. My understanding is that the green energy folks have made billions so far on the sidelines. Uh, and the worst part is this is a repeat of the Obama administration. Yeah, the Obama administration put eighty billion dollars in the remember the nine hundred billion dollar stimulus eight hundred eighty seven billion yeah eight hundred seventy eight billion for shovel ready for shovel that started the Tea Party yeah. They had $80 billion in green energy. Well, what all the Obama donors did was they, they donated to Obama's campaign, the big donors. Obama won. They immediately filed and started a bunch of solar and wind companies, and then 85% of the $80 billion went to Obama donors. Yeah, unbelievable. And, you know, yeah. Shell and, and, and lather, rinse, repeat now with the Biden administration. So and can, can you name me one positive outcome for that money that was spent back in 2008? No, Obama came out and said, well, those jobs weren't as shovel-ready as we thought they were. <laughs> yeah. He admitted there was nothing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, so much waste right now going on. Can we rein this in? Otherwise, we're going to go right down the tubes. I think you know my position on that. Uh, the answer that my answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, Seat Motley, you're the founder. It's such an interesting story. Is this posted? I didn't check. Is it on blessgovernment.org? Uh, yes, it is this morning. Yes. Okay, you can check out, read the column in its entirety. It's so interesting. Uh, visit blessgovernment.org. You can also visit uh, Less Government on Facebook. Seat Motley, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Hardin. Linda is my wife, first and foremost, which is a, desire, a real pleasantry for me. But second of all, she writes greetings from paradise. She hasn't written one in a while because of the pandemic, but irrespective, uh, she does a great job. You can read her columns on my website under greetings from paradise, just the pull-down tab there. She also, uh, I think, has interesting points of view and a lot of things going on, not only here locally, but across the globe. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you 
have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out at choicesocial.us. That's choicesocial.us. We have with us Linda Harden. She, uh, you may know her because of her column. Greetings from Paradise. If you're on the list to receive that, it's not only uh, distributed by her, but I guess to Hundreds, maybe thousands. <laughs> Over 2,000, thank you very much. Over 2,000, So, uh, uh, but also very knowledgeable about what's happening around the globe and the world. I always respect her opinions. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Um, lots of things going on. Mm-hmm. And um, locally, it's interesting how things are, I mean, even though we're in the free state of Florida, there's still been so many stores around that have had mass mandates because they're corporate. Yep. And now they're they're opening up big time. Um it's interesting to see how they're how they're functioning. Like Publix, for example, had their mask signs on on Saturday when I was there, yet you go in and the management's not wearing any masks. (laughs) And the checkers aren't wearing any masks. Um so it's it's interesting to see how um that's happening. Because guess what? The government, the CDC, has been so screwed up about conveying any sort of message. Well, or any uh, conveying any kind of logic or science behind their decisions. It just, it's and and uh, you know the recent news: six uh, percent of the cases in August uh, uh, it was announced, and this is on CDC's website. Six percent of the p- cases attributed to COVID nineteen. Only six percent of them were caused by COVID nineteen. The other had comor. Other cases had comorbidities like motorcycle accidents <laughs> well they just attached COVID to everything yeah everything it's exactly right in fact so the the point being is uh, how do you trust anything coming out of the uh public health organizations including cdc you know what it's that's a good point because what we listened to on tucker last night was candace owens right and she said the cdc has absolutely made a mockery of science they've just shot science out of the sky it no longer exists like we know it anymore they've just made a mockery of science she made such good points about that yeah tucker carlson's show was great last night and he's always on the cutting edge i appreciate him uh so much and his points of view and then joe biden says you know wear a mask or else uh you know either get a vaccination or 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 uh, wear a mask I mean, he, you know, where has he heard of HIPAA? No, you know what? Uh, here's the thing. That's a great point. Uh, it's illegal 
to uh, invade in anybody else's privacy with regard to their public health. Well, and, and what was the photo I picked up on social media the other day that I showed you where, where I've got my, um, my uh, vaccination proof or vaccination passport, and what was the hand holding? A copy of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is exactly right, because they can't, they, can't, they can't ask you if you have AIDS. They can't ask you if you have anything. They can't ask you if you're, you used to be a, a woman. You, they can't. Right. It's, it's illegal. It's illegal. So uh, th- there's some barriers to accomplishing these vaccine passports and some of the things that the uh, government would like to impose. There are many people that would like to impose these laws. I, would, I suspect that our own governor, in fact, he's, he's stated he doesn't support vaccine passports. And he doesn't... Uh, su- well, well, if someone tries to... Um, tries to uh, get someone to prove that they have have had a vaccine, it's $5,000 fine per incident. I mean, you, you just can't do it in Florida. And and, well, and so uh, what is that pertains to, of course, uh, not only individual citizens, but also people who are in the workplace right now. If a organization were to say you can't come to work unless you can prove you're vaccinated, that's, that's a violation of the law. It is, and, and they are just going to get into such a hot mess with all of this. Um, speaking of being in a hot mess, let's talk about Anthony Fauci for a moment. <laughs> okay. Um, he Now he's come out, he's supposed to be, well, well I showed, sent you this video yesterday about how he was in hot water uh, um, 30 years ago when he was with NIH all that time um, ago with, with the AIDS AIDS, uh, he, was supposed to, he was supposed to be working with a vaccine for AIDS, and it uh, never materialized. Uh, but the point is that uh, apparently uh, what the, the guy, I don't recall who was speaking, but he... It was a Dr. Robert Wilner, and he wrote a book um, about it, and I can look it up. But it just makes me want to go read uh, Dr. Judy Mikovitz's book again, because it was all about that, and they sh- uh, threw her in jail for trying to expose... Uh, exactly. Fauci. So I think what I see is, first of all, uh, Biden is starting to distance himself from Fauci. We don't see Fauci public appearances anymore. But second of all, because of what happened with Rand Paul and his testimony in the Senate, and what happened with, uh, with regard to Tucker Carlson and his discussion about uh, Fauci, I, the walls are starting to close in. The protection is starting to f- drop down. And I think Fauci could be in some real hot water. And he should be. He should be in Gitmo yeah. uh, for, for crimes against humanity, by the way. And then yesterday he comes around and says um, that, that this whole thing about vaccinations is racist. Yeah. Since yeah. when did he be? I mean, we know all he, he's been a political operative for, for um, years. Month, yeah, years. But now he's absolutely coming to the forefront of right. it. Yeah. What a uh, joke. Yeah, this whole thing is racist. <laughs> He's a Fauci. What a bozo. And, and you know what was great about Tucker Carlson, um, Tucker Carlson's show too last night is, and I don't know if it was Candace Owens or who it was, but they, but, but they made the point that they, the left has used racist on everything. Right. And people are just ignoring it now. Yeah. It's just stupid. Well, look, uh, uh, 83% of the population is white. They're trying to say that white privilege, and we're supposed to feel bad about ourselves, and we're supposed to subordinate ourselves to the rights of others and so forth. You know, I think people are going to stand up and say, stop that nonsense. We're all individuals. The Constitution basically says we all have our rights and the individual liberty. We're uh, Our rights are created by God, and uh, we've created government in order to uh, monitor uh, the violation of those rights. But that's the only purpose of the government. So basically, government... Basically, uh, the uh, people who believe in this white privilege, 
just stay out of our way. Just shut up. Well, and 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 that's being proven out with all these audits and all these uh, states because people are just saying, uh, uh, "We're going for it. We're finding out." what yeah. went wrong in this election, and you can't stop it. And speaking of which, it's just so interesting to see the walls closing in on that situation, too. Maricopa County is continuing. Now there's the county in New Hampshire, apparently. Wyndham, New Hampshire. Um, discovered real fraud. Wisconsin's going to go under an audit. And and like we were talking yesterday, what about that sheriff in Maricopa County, Arizona, who's being paid off by, guess who? George Soros. Yes, indeed. He contributed $2 million to the campaign for this sheriff, and the sheriff is trying to make trouble in Maricopa County. Is that Maricopa County? Maricopa County, County. I think exactly. It is. Exactly. But, yeah, Linda, I just, uh, I, th- I think right now the wheels of justice grind slow, but they grind fine. And so I think somehow, some way, there's going to be some good news coming all of that, out of this. I think it's going to exonerate President Trump. It's going to prove that he won the election. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. Because if that's the case, uh, I think he has a right to take it to federal court and perhaps even to the Supreme Court to get uh, to to get to prove that he won the election and therefore take over the presidency. Let's. Uh, I agree. Um, let's back up for just a second to um, Fauci and and when you brought up Trump, I think I told you yesterday that John Roberts, who's a um, an anchor on Fox News now, he used to be the White House correspondent for Fox, and they're talking about all this Wuhan. Um, lab and where the virus escaped from and now more scientists are demanding answers about where it came from so so that's the the walls are closing on fauci for that but john roberts said um yesterday on air he says you know what uh when we were in the rose garden um a year ago and i asked uh president trump about uh whether this virus escaped from the wuhan lab and it was the only time that that trump didn't come out with an answer he just says i can't talk about that i think trump is behind the wheels turning and behind the walls closing in on these people. I really I, I, do. I agree with that. Linda Harden, again, always appreciate your so well-informed by comment. The way, by the way, um, greetings from paradise may be on permanent hiatus. So um, for anyone who's looking for it, don't hold your breath. Okay. <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, uh, the, the, other, the ones that you've written already are very entertaining. At, you can find it on my website. Linda, Thanks, appreciate Andy. your commentary so much. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa. He is a professor. He's also an author of a terrific read. It's called Josephus of Oz. I always appreciate his commentary on what's happening, not only not in politics, but mainly in our culture. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, had a big player in the space program back in the day. Uh, he has also written many, many books, uh, and uh, just uh, one on, on uh, climate change is Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. It's a great read. If you really want to understand what's going on with the science, the religion, and the lies about uh, climate change. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.